Hey, Rockheads, would you like to go to Ireland with me and my friend Dio from Dublin and a bunch of musicians and a bus full of cool people? I'm taking 10 Kickstarter backers on a musical adventure through Ireland. Here are the facts. April 19th through the 24th, four nights of traditional Irish sessions in the pubs, a Christy Moore concert, a Damien Dempsey concert, trips to Glendalough, Malahide Castle, the Ring of Kerry, Temple Bar, Galway, the Jameson Distillery, and the Guinness Brewery. Sound fun? Check out my new Kickstarter project at ireland.pwop.com. Don't worry, it's a redirect. .NET Rocks, episode 1105, with guest James Montemagno. Recorded Friday, February 13th, 2015. You done it. You done had a hit maker. <laughs> you done listened to another .NET Rocks show. Who was that? Who did that bit? That was Bernard Purdy. Oh, yeah. The Purdy Shuffle. Famous session drummer. Really an amazing drummer. Like, the sounds are incredible. Yeah, he's a drummer's drummer. He played on everybody's records in the 60s and 70s, and there's a story told by the Steely Dan guys that uh, he came to a session in the 60s with two signs on either side of the drum set. One sign said, you done it. The other sign said, you done hired the hit maker, Bernard Pretty Purdy. <laughs> It's awesome. So you done it. You done listen to .NET Rocks for another day. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And here we are. Here we go. Let's uh let's roll the music. We got some good stuff today. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? I found this little tidbit in Visual Studio out of necessity. And oh, I really? just you know, it was one of those Google searches that was like, really? Are you kidding me? I can't believe how easy this is. <laughs> So a perfect better know a framework then. Perfect better know a framework. So let's say you have a bunch of XML. You have okay. some XML data and you want to serialize that, but you don't want you know, now you're like, oh my God, do I have to pull out the command line XSD and make an XSD document oh, and then goodness, load, no. load that up and some command line switches and stuff? No. All you do is you copy that XML document, whatever it is, mm -hmm. the document with all the data in it. Copy it into the clipboard. Yep. Go to a blank CS file or VB file. I think it works in VB as well. Yep. And uh, go to edit, paste, special, and then paste XML as classes. What? Yes. Paste XML as classes. Boom. You get the C Sharp or VBNet class uh, that all of that uh, XML can be serialized to. That's amazing. So then you just create an XML serializer and off you go. Give Bob's it your the uncle. type, you know, and you're done. Oh, you got JSON? Well, guess what? There's a paste JSON as classes as well. Awesome. So, you know, hit a service, get back a bunch of JSON, copy it into the clipboard. Boom, you've got a class. That's so cool. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing. Yeah, it's just one of those little things that. Well, and in, in the moment you said it, it's so flippant obvious. You have all the information necessary. You just normally write that plumbing yourself. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, there you go. Know it, learn it, love it. What a find. It's love a good it. one. Yeah. Hey, Richard, who's talking to us? I uh, grabbed a comment off of show 976, one we did with a young James Montemagno. We talked about building mobile apps with Xamarin. And Kevin Mack had this great comment. Uh, great discussion again, guys. Just started listening more regularly and lately, and I loved hearing James talk about Xamarin. I started with my current company four months ago, so that would be over a year ago now and was hired largely to work on enterprise apps using Xamarin. 
I've loved every minute of it. Having worked with Eclipse for Droid before the benefits of Xamarin's Visual Studio integration, the two are too awesome to be ignored. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, he's coming from working from Eclipse for Droid. So yep. you were beating yourself with a hammer. The fact that you've stopped beating yourself feels pretty good. We are pretty spoiled here in Visual Studio I Land, totally we? agree. Because yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, it that Xamarin integration had some rough spots for a while. So the mm-hmm. fact that he's waxing poetic about it, it's like, but you know, it. what about, what? okay, well, you're coming from Eclipse, so everything's better. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree with James Moore about leveraging the PCL to make more of a shared code base, and that has made life so much easier. We've taken this a step further by sharing PCLs with Backbone, ASP.NET, and an MVC application to provide our customers with a comprehensive solution. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. So he's mixing a little of the web in with... This uh, cross-plat implementation with Xamarin. That's the way it's done, kids. It is awesome. Kevin, thanks so much for your comment. We are enthusiasts as well. Yes. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps because we've got them for Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, and Windows 8. And that brings us to Mr. Montemagno. James Montemagno is a developer evangelist at Xamarin and a Microsoft MVP. He's been a .NET developer for over a decade, working in a wide range of industries, including game development, printer software, and web services. Previously, James was a professional mobile developer on the Xamarin platform for over three years, with several published apps on iOS, Android, and Windows. Welcome back, James. It's so good to be back, Richard and Carl. I'm so glad that you asked me to come back on. I'm so excited to talk about our topic today. And the topic is mobile testing, eh? Mobile testing, yeah, it's you know it's complete. When when Richard emailed me, was like, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on mobile testing, and and what do you thought? And I'm like, I have so many thoughts because not only have I talked to so many customers struggling, you know, now that they're in the mobile space. When I started over three years ago, I was in the same situation, and I feel like we've progressed a tiny bit, but no one's quite at that level. And now there's a lot of tools in the market that actually can assist with uh, with actually testing mobile applications. Awesome. So, and you guys have your own solutions, don't you? We do. Yeah. So we offer, obviously, you know, I think when it comes to mobile testing, there's two sides of things. There's UI testing. So how are we actually testing our user interface that scale across all of these devices? But then of course, there's the business logic testing that we've always had to deal with, no matter what application we've ever wrote. Uh, you know, so that's our, our unit test, N-Unit, whatever you're using, yeah. you're mocking stuff. And that stuff still exists. Yeah, and I think that stuff works fine with the tools that we already have in Visual Studio because if you're doing Xamarin correctly, your business logic is all PCL, portable class libraries, and it's in C-sharp. Exactly. And we even have specific test runner applications for iOS and Android that you can take your N-Unit test, for instance, and it'll create a sample application for you so you can actually run them on physical devices because just because your code compiles and runs against the test runner doesn't mean it's actually going to run on the device right you know there's some there's some intricacies there too uh so we have that those solutions and then for the ui we introduced xamarin test cloud which allows developers to fully automate um the testing of their user interface on ios and android applications using c sharp or ruby which is pretty cool we've talked about test cloud a little bit on dotnet rocks before i got to admit, I haven't used it, but from what I understand, you guys have all sorts of devices in the cloud that you run tests, you actually run the apps on and uh, automate through them and show the results. Is that a good elevator pitch? 
Yeah, I mean, in in theory, I mean, I think I'll, I'll take it back a step and say, like, what is the problem? What is the what is the problem that Test Cloud's trying to solve? Sure. And when you look at mobile testing today, like, how are people testing it? And when I started testing or developing mobile apps, I had uh, two Android devices, my own personal ones. I had an iPod Touch and I had a Windows phone that I got from the last PDC up here. And that was my that was my test suite of devices. Yeah. Y- you know, and it was all manual testing. And to be honest, that's what most people are actually still doing. And maybe they've grown, I think, on average, maybe five or ten devices for testing. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously we know as developers like that's not feasible at all. We need you know uh, if you look at just the amount of devices out there, there's nineteen thousand Android devices right. in the market, right. um, twenty configurations of iOS devices between iPads and uh, iPhones and iPod touches, uh, and that's you know and to actually reach seventy five percent of the market, it's just in the United States. You would need at least 180 devices. Oh, man. <laughs> so I I use three hardware devices for testing. I've got an iPhone 6 Plus, brandy new to my collection. I've got an Android, you know, a Samsung Galaxy S5. And I've got a Windows Phone uh, Nokia Lumia icon. And I figure those are good for, you know, simple testing. You know, once you get it to run on those, then... I would go to a uh, a cloud-based testing solution to get all the esoteric issues straightened out. Is that a good strategy, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that some part of manual testing is always going to exist. I think you have to have your baseline unit tests of business logic. And right now, I think, uh, you know, from customers that, that we actually you know, interact with and I speak with mm-hmm. and just myself, mm-hmm. most testing is 20% uh, or less coverage against code today and hardly, wow. you know, and, and UI testing, it's just on the ramp up. And that's just like just testing in general. I mean, we've talked, I've talked to a customer where they, you know, I had their mobile application and I was writing some tests for it. And just on the login screen, everyone tests the positive outcomes. But what if you type a wrong password or something like that? And I typed in a wrong password and it just let me into the application. <laughs> you know, huh. So you have to think of all these scenarios. So the idea here is with Xamarin Test Cloud is that imagine creating a suite of just simple user interface tests. If you think of the top 10 or 20 scenarios in your application, because there's always going to be edge cases, you can't find everything, right? Sure. It's impossible. There's, I mean, just look at Windows or OS X. Like there's, there's, you know, there's always edge cases. That's why we have Update Tuesday. Uh, you know, <laughs> and Update Tuesday, that's what it's there for. That's right. So if you create a base even just test of 10, 20, 30 tests, and that covers 25% of your application, you're doing better than 95% of the industry right now. So Xamarin Test Cloud, and you, and, and it's a collaboration with uh, Calabash, which is an open source like frame uh, testing framework, and UI test. So Calabash is Ruby for automated testing, and C Sharp is a layer on top of that, because obviously we want to stay everything in C Sharp. You're able to interact, and it's all by ID, so it's not like a specific coordinate-based system, which is, you know, it's unique that it's based on IDs and, and objects and, and text on the screen. So you're able to actually touch and interact, swipe, press, tap, enter text, uh, and then automate the results. So if you expect to enter a password and then there's a bad password, you get a pop-up, you can test that entire scenario inside of your application. Yeah, that is so handy. 
Now, what's interesting here is that you can run these on your simulator, your local devices. So you could do this, Carl. You could just have an automated test suite, plug in those three devices you have, and boom, 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 mm-hmm. run that test every night. Mm-hmm. Now, now when you're ready to do this, now this is, I should also say this is any iOS or Android application written with Xamarin, written in Objective-C, Java, Swift, PhoneGap, it doesn't matter, any application. Yeah. That's what's unique here. So this is, uh, this is the state of all mobile testing. So when you're ready, then you move it to the Xamarin test cloud. And we have, uh, say, the largest device lab in the world with over 1,300 devices. And they're actual devices, right? This is not emulators. This is real hardware. Real hardware. I've walked the device lab. It is glorious. You walk in there <laughs> and it feels, it, it is like, it, it blows your mind. Like you just see all these screens flashing, boom, 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 boom. You know, and it's, it's very, it's closed doors under crazy security. You have no idea. I can't even talk about it that much, to be honest with wow. you. That's the most I can say. But it feels like, <laughs> it feels like you're walking into a real lab, like, you know, with white suits, all this stuff. And it is fantastic. Uh, and these are real physical devices that, you know, in these 1300 devices are you, you, all these different devices. In fact, you know, we have a hundred Nexus fives, which means that, you know, if you're running a test on a Nexus five, you can also run it in parallel, which means that you could run your test suite on all these different devices all at the same time, dramatically bringing like, uh, it allows for like fast results. So do you have a camera aimed at each one of these devices? Well, here's what's unique about it is that in Xamarin Test Cloud, when you go to testcloud.xamarin.com and, and log in and you're running your tests, you get real-time uh, snapshots right. along the way. Every single step of the way, every button press, every click, you it'll take a snapshot or you can request a snapshot hmm. and you see it in the user interface. And it even gets better because we've introduced a new feature of video playback through your test. So you can actually watch a video of what's happening in your application to lead up to the event. Wow. As well. So there's not like cameras on every single one. These are physical devices. There's a, there's a protocol, um, between the application, this little, like, uh, little test cloud HTTP server that runs on the device. Cause these are kind of in debug mode. Uh, and it sends like JSON packets back and forth. And we have it all outlined on, on our developer portal of exactly how it works. But right. The, the, the test cloud agent sits there and it's communicating back and forth with your app to basically push and pop these different, um, commands you know, communication over HTTP uh, to those devices. So these are all talking to the devices, feeding back to the test cloud server and giving you the results in near in real time, uh, which is quite honestly to be amazing. I throw every single application up there because just seeing your application on 180 different Android devices is mind boggling. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you know? Well, who was it, Carl, that first told us about this idea of the drawer of broken dreams? That was Brandon Watson. Was that Brandon Watson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a great way to describe. You made it work on on like a, on a Nexus 5. You make the app work. And then you go uh, go to the drawer and you get out a, a, a Galaxy S2 and it doesn't work. So you fix it for the S2. Then it doesn't work on the Nexus 5 anymore. So you fix it for that. You finally get to work on both. Then you go to the drawer of broken dreams and get out the third phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, there's 200 phones in there. I still have my iPack in my drawer of broken dreams. <laughs> That's just a drawer of lost hardware. And that wasn't a that was a compact, not an Apple. That was oh my oh, god, man. Yeah. That's some old hardware. And it's so crazy too because when you think about it today, you know some some you know some phones update regularly, especially like iPhone. They update update really fast. But when you look at the Android landscape. I mean, yeah, sure, KitKat's out and Lollipop's out, but Lollipop's 1% of the market. And even people that are able to update sometimes don't even update their device. 
So for instance, if you look at like the Nexus 7, in our lab, we have it running Lollipop 4.4.4, 4.4.2, 4.3, 4.2. Created, uh, you know, I think all the cool kids, they're, they're having these images and they put them in circles. It's this big trend. I'm sure everyone's seeing it. Circle images. Right. And I, and I wrote this script on this little uh, custom control on Android to put an image in a circle. Uh, and, and like this condition just work, this code, it cuts it out. And I run it on my, on my, my Moto X and it runs perfect. And I start shipping this app to the marketplace and I, and I get these, these feedback from my customers and they're like, you know, it's not showing up on my device, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you guys have? And they're like, oh, we have the Galaxy S3. So it works. Here's the crazy thing. So even the same device on, on Android 4.3, it works 100%. It's perfect. Right. If you upgrade to KitKat, Samsung broke it in the actual OS. <laughs> and it just is broken on that phone. So how do you even test for that? It's impossible. Right. You know? You can't just because you have one device in your drawer, there's a whole flavor of different devices that you can't even predict against. So it's really building out that entire that application. Cause like I said, beta testing and in then even beta testing, you know, you have your manual testing and maybe you have a series of of beta testers that are there. I mean, but that's inconsistent. I mean, I have, I'm working on a game right now and I ship that off to beta testers and I get like an email that says, Hey, this this looks this is great. Good good job. You know, <laughs> done. Like, like, you got bad like taste in beta testers. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like I wish it, I wish there was wish there was high scoreboards, and I'm like, okay, I can do that. But you know, how do you get the full coverage? You know, right. you you're kind of hoping that everyone's using the key features, but you can't really test it, so you have to build that in. So now think about every time you're fixing a bug, closing a bug, you tie this into your continuous integration cycle too. So every time you fix a bug, you create a, a, an, an unit test, you create a, a test cloud UI test for it, and then it ships it off. You know, for instance, if you're using TFS or you're using Git, like you just ship that, it builds it, sends it to test cloud because we have full uh, continuous integration testing as well uh, into to all these popular systems. And then automatically, you know, you could run it on a few devices and then maybe do a large uh, regression uh, test suite once a week or something like that. You know, really try right. to shift left, shift shift left early development cycle of testing. Mm. Because if you talk to .NET developers today, like we've .NET new desktop developers, we've kind of figured out this whole testing thing. Like we kind of get it. We're doing pretty good. But when you talk to mobile, it's not really even on their mind. Because when you look at the state of mobile, it's really drastically different than um, desktop development today. Desktop development, when I worked for a large printer company, one of the biggest in the world, our release cycles were we're going to ship maybe one update a year. Right. And we're going to go through a three month regression cycle. And we're like, this is, is very, is very waterfall based, you know, and we were trying to be agile. But nowadays I look at my Android phone. I, I was updating, uh, you know, I don't want to point out any apps, but I was updating the Square app, Square Cash, which I love just to transfer money. I updated it at 9 a.m. in the morning. I got another update at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, yeah. that is how, that is how fast, you know, they're getting obviously crash reports back. They're doing this stuff. Wow. And that's how fast people are demanding this because, you know, apps are expected to update quickly. They're really short cycles and you get instant feedback. I remember I felt really bad. I'm a huge Seattle Sounders fan <laughs> and, and I was using their app one time and it would open up and it would crash right away. And I was like, what is going on? So I pull up the Android ADB cat. I'm going through their log stacks. I'm like, what's going on? True developer at this point, right? And I'm going through and I was like, oh, some JSON deserialization issue. 
they had some weird date time format issue that with their server wasn't sending down the right data. So I tweeted at him. I said, here's your bug. Like you need, you need here's your bug. Fix this, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was, it was broken for nearly a week and a half. And it was just a stream of one star reviews. Ah, uh, wow. Like, you know, yeah. Just cause you got the bug fixes mean all those bad reviews go away. Exactly. So you need to be, you need to test early to get to that point. You know what I mean? And that's really the intricate part. And that's really where test cloud comes in and just even running, you know, with UI tests and Calabash locally against any of your iOS and Android applications. And, you know, I should say also that we have Windows phone support coming soon as well. We're working with Microsoft to build that in. There was some OS changes that needed to be made and we're working closely with them to get that as well. So just like I said, it's only iOS and Android now, but we're extending to Windows as well for test cloud and UI tests, which is pretty awesome. Wow. Can we talk about, I mean, this test cloud's awesome because I need to test on all these devices, but what am I loading on the devices on test cloud? Like what's the UI testing tool? Yeah. So, so right now today you're building your test scripts inside of Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio in C Sharp with UI tests, right. which is a, it's a NuGet package. You download the NuGet, it gives you a way of, of interacting and say, and let me interact with this element. Let me tap this element. It's very verbose, very nice. And you can also do that in Ruby if, if you wanted to, uh, to interact with Calabash that's running there. So really you have this little, in debug mode, you're not going to ship any of the uh, Calabash or test cloud integration when you ship it to release only for debug purposes, obviously. So a little, a little like harness is kind of sitting in your application to send back and forth with these test scripts. So you're writing this test script. And to be honest, they just look, they're, they're, you know, assert scripts. It's just, you know, analyze, assert, do some action and, and assert what, what should happen. And you can do some wait scripts and things like that. And you can just run them. So let's say even before you get to the test cloud, you have your little test runner inside of Visual Studio. You say run. It'll, it, it's a it, mind blowing. Like the simulator will come up, the emulator will come up and, or even on a physical device, and it'll just start running your scripts. Like it'll just launch automatically as if you were doing in a business logic script, huh. pass or fail. It, it's it's mind blowing. Wow, it's mind -blowing. that is mind blowing. It's really cool. Now the UI test tool is on NuGet. It's free, but the cloud is not free. So on on UI test to use UI test, uh, if it's free to use as a Xamarin subscriber, uh, if you have fifteen minutes for a test run, basically the cloud is free to run. No, 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 not the test cloud, just the UI test part. Okay, so run on a to run on a physical device or or simulator. Uh, to do that. So, so that's actually going to give anyone the opportunity. Anyone's building Xamarin applications for iOS or Android today. Yeah. You're able to actually do that. And then you could obviously do the Ruby part as well. Now, the test cloud part of things that there's obviously a price associated with that. Mm. And that's going to be based on how it's hour based. So how many hours you need. Uh, so it's based on, yeah, it's based on a, a series of different, um, criteria. I would say it's, 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 uh, when you go to xamarin.com slash test cloud and you scroll to the bottom, you'll see the, the all the technical details, such as, you know, being able to simulate the interactive touch or GPS or network connectivity. Right. But you, you pay for apps. So let's say you need, you know, 200 device hours and you want to run two hours, two apps basically in there. Then that's when it goes into basic professional business. Okay. Um, type testing. And it's about five bucks an hour. Correct. So. Yeah, it's about five bucks an hour, which, you know, this is a, an, an hour of testing is a lot of testing. That is a lot of testing. You'd be surprised at how many tests you can run. And, you know, and that's, and that's the thing is imagine that you are integrating this into your CI server. Mm -hmm. You know, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand dollars for, a, 
to increase from that three to four star rating is 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 astronomically completely different. Sure, you know, that changes your application on the marketplace today. So yeah, so you could run everything locally, and that doesn't count against your hours at all. So if you're running those tests against your own local test suite on your devices, that's that's totally fine. And then you could integrate into your CI server to say, you know what, every time I fix a bug or I add a new test, just run it on two devices. Just run it on one iOS device, the most popular, and we have statistics in there too to say these are the most you know popular these are devices. the most popular devices. Yeah, and their market share as well in your country type right. of thing. So you could run it just locally against like one or two devices in the test cloud. And then you say, you know what? I'm getting ready to send this off to my, my testers. I'm getting ready to go into beta with it. Let me just run this on a test suite of, you know, 50 devices. Right. Do a fuller, a bigger regret. I mean, I could even see, take the advice of the test cloud and go get the two most popular, the popular iOS device and the popular Android device and use them locally. You use the same test tools, get it completely ready. And now when you're ready to do that big regression test, does it work on all these devices? Now you go to the cloud. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, you know. Uh, and that's how I've been testing, to be honest. Every single application I make, even little samples, just anything. And it's good for not only just the UI part of it, just to make sure that the the business logic, the core OS is, is operating you know, correctly. Yes. You know, great, a great example is that, that circle image, but it could be just Bluetooth connectivity or it could be my restful service calls. To be honest, I find so many bugs. We're talking about backends as well. I, was, I love the comment from the last episode because I'm seeing more and more shifting of that is, you know, we have this great ASP.NET backend that we're, you know, integrating with our front end or we're integrating with Azure. Right. But you, you can also stress test. Imagine hitting a server with a hundred physical devices all at the same time. You know, and to be honest, a lot of people don't test that. Interesting. I did not even think about that. So if I fire to your cloud to a hundred devices and they're going to call my service. Yep. They're all going to call your service. Wow. Now you could obviously, you could obviously write that in. So it's not production and just your own sample. Sure. Uh, as well. So that's like in your test. And a lot of people ask, well, what if I want to do it in a test? But yeah, just write that into your application for testing a little if def. Stress test the server at the same time. Stress test that server. Yeah. And, but also get. How is each one of the rendering engines in each of those devices rendering the actual package back to the app, back to the backend service? You're gonna, you might get a couple that fail because there's something weird going on. It's very true. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You never know. That's a, that's the thing, and you can send that information. You can log that information. And the cool thing with the test cloud is if, when you go into one of the applications, so you're stepping through one of these scripts. Yep. Now you get a bullet point along each way, but you get a snapshot, like I said. When you click on the snapshot, you get a full uh, council log. So you can step through the entire stack trace along the way. Um, you also get performance details. So memory usage, um, you know, statistics of what's going on, what's stressing it out. Um, and then, you know, full resolution, device logs, everything that you would expect as if it was physically plugged in. So you can download that. You can download full images of, of the screen cap. So if you like this, oh, this is going to make a great screenshot for the... Uh, for the app store, well, right. boom, full-size screenshot, too. So, but you also want that screenshot to show the designer this isn't laying out properly on this device. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which I, I can't imagine how much you run into that. There's so many different resolutions, so many flipping versions of the OS. Like, and I'm yelling at Android here, yep. right? I mean, <laughs> at what point do you say, you know what? Nobody's got this device anymore. That, who cares about that? I mean, do you guys keep metrics on... How many users of these particular devices there are out there? So it's a little bit tricky. Uh, you know, uh, Google does a great job. If you just go to, to Bing and type in uh, Android dashboard, 
they give you a good percentage of who's using what operating system out there. Still today, it's about, so people still using 2.x, and these are just track that people that can access the Google Play Store. It's still around 8% of the market, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Jelly Bean and, you know, so Lollipop is now at 1.6%, but KitKat is at 40%. Uh, and then jelly bean is at about 50% and ice cream sandwich is now even at 6.4. So it's like progressing, but you still have nearly 8% of your entire market out there, which is still using Choose. gingerbread oh, from man. years. But that's 8%. And do, are they using apps anyway? This is the question I have. I mean, if somebody's using that old stuff, are they downloading apps and getting frustrated every time that the app doesn't work? Or are they just using it for phone, you know, telephone and chat and text? Well, so these statistics that this is that that's a great question, actually. And because these statistics that Google gives are people that are actively accessing the app store. Okay. So that's how the, yep. the way they're gathering the statistics is by these phones attaching to the app store. Doesn't mean they're actually downloading the apps, but they care enough or, you know, it's not a device that doesn't have the app store in it anymore. Exactly. Wow. That being said, if the pain of making it work for two, like, are you prepared to sacrifice 8% of your market? I bet. Yeah. Yep. That's what I'd yeah. say. You could, absolutely. And that's the thing I think a lot of developers are taking. So that's nice to watch and progress. And, you know, to be honest, if you're looking at this a year ago, it was still at 30%. You oh, know what man. I mean? So we're going to see the shift. Oh. And, you know, there's going to be another, you know, there another flavor of something coming out in the next few months, I'm sure of it. Yeah. You know, but there's 1.6 billion smartphones in the world. Yikes. Out there. That's a lot of phones. It's a lot of phones. One for every 4.5 people. In the world. And that 0.5 person is having real spelling problems. <laughs> <laughs> they are, right? I mean... <laughs> hey, hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Oh, uh, it must be that happy time again. You got it. It's time to build an app that shows a counter that increments every time a non-technical person approaches a programmer with a, quote, killer app idea, unquote, <laughs> makes them sign an NDA and then asks for 50% just for having the idea. Yeah. Landscape mode only. <laughs> you gotta see this number in landscape otherwise you don't fit on the screen that's what i'm saying <laughs> landscape mode it's actually time to give away a telerik devcraft collection to one lucky member of the dotnet rocks fan club but before i tell you who won today telerik devcraft is the most complete dotnet toolbox for web mobile and desktop development with the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, dude. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Richard Dowson. Oh, congratulations, Richard. Yeah. Call clap for you, Call sir. Clap. And I hear the clappers. Oh, yeah. Back you know what that means. Back in the studio today. Cars in the studio. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Got my clappers. Got my clap. And uh, Richard just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. Big pile of awesome from Telerik. And if you don't know what we're talking about here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .net Rocks fan club. But you got to join to win. And... Uh, also, we like to ask our guests, of course, James, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? So my, 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 my answer has, has dramatically changed. I, um, oh. I really got into home, home automation recently. Uh -oh. oh, no. He's been bitten. 
I oh, once you get the bug, yeah. I mean, it's it's in my my fingers. You know, I've I got this new Harmony Ultimate Remote, just like mind blowing. I'm into the Philips Hues. I want a way to just completely automate every single bit. I want like you know TV, microwave, like I want everything in the world. Dude, didn't you see that movie with Ali Sheedy in the 80s? Don't aren't, don't you afraid of anything? I want it all. No, I want it all. I want to be able to walk outside and boom, and it's on. Uh, to be honest, I would like to outfit my entire house in like Philips Hughes light bulbs connected to like a universal system that's really controlled by that from my smartphone everywhere. Yeah. And then kind of extend that over to every, you know, every bit of it. Obviously, I'd love a new TV. I like those new curved displays. So if I could pair that into the $5,000 okay. bundle, that'd be pretty. <laughs> So I'm just Good saying. Luck with that, I'm just sir. saying. Good but luck. But automation, that's where it's at. I'm all about it. All right. I love it. You know, a lot of people are afraid of it. But, you know, the thing that happens is it, it happens slowly, right? First, it's the iPhone control. And then it's too much work to pull out your phone and turn the lights off. You just want it to know what you're thinking. Just think, turn the lights off. But then when it doesn't do what you think, then you start tweaking. And then the evil comes out. It's a slippery, it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. Slippery slope. It is. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do. I want to be able to like walk in to like the entrance of my apartment complex. Yeah. And I wanted to just know, ooh, the, uh, the aura, the aura of, J- of James has entered. Yeah. And it's on. It just automatically puts it in. Yeah. You know, that'd be awesome. Slippery slope, dude. All right. Well, what anyway, I, I love the future. And, you know, as long as, uh, as long as we do the right thing, it's going to be good. Hey, uh, is this a good time to talk about some of the latest updates in uh, the Xamarin world that are non-testing? Like, I got a few questions for you. Sure, absolutely. One question is on uh, the custom renderers, which seem to be, um, that's where I hit a brick wall with Xamarin Forms. And Xamarin Forms is awesome for getting forms that are simple looking up and running. But then when you want them to go across all these different platforms, you have these subtle UI things and tweaks that need to be done in order for them to look, you know, an iPhone app to look like an iPhone app, an Android phone for blah, blah, blah. And uh, that has to be done with custom renderers. Am I saying that right? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, so Xamarin Forms is what you're talking about. So yes. you have the the Xamarin native development, mm-hmm. which is building out, you know, your shared C-sharp backend, which is what we talked about before, you know, native user interface on each built inside of Visual Studio with the designers. Mm-hmm. And the Xamarin Forms just adds to the Xamarin native. So everything's still native. And then you have the UI tool layer right. that includes a lot of other things like MVVM frameworks for data binding and messaging centers. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of like the abstraction of common user interface controls. Yes. And Xamarin forms the framework, displays and renders the native controls. It doesn't draw them. It's not like drawing them on the screen or anything. It's like a button is a button and a list view is a list view, right? right? Uh, in general. But there might be times that you want to add specific platform tweaks or you want to add some specific animation or or maybe a control that doesn't exist. Like, I don't know, yeah. a circle image. Yeah, yeah. Got to have a circle image, right? Right. So, so that is done with a custom renderer. And a custom renderer is is actually how all of Xamarin Forms works under the hood. If you think about it, you have I, I drew this one time. I was at a meetup, I think in Zurich, and I we were eating like peanuts at a bar, and and I was like, let me describe how Xamarin Forms works. And I put a peanut, one peanut on the left, and I said, this is this is a button, a, a Xamarin Forms button. And then I laid down three other peanuts in a row from top down, and I said, these are your renderers. So there's iOS renderer, Android renderer, Windows Phone mm. renderer. 
And even the Xamarin Forms one, it's like, here's a representation with common controls, and then it talks to everything under the hood. So what you're able to do in Xamarin Forms is create a custom renderer of an existing control that's there. So for instance, if I'm creating a circle image, I would extend the image control, and then I would cut out my circle on each platform. If I wanted to adds pull to refresh. Uh, I have examples of that on my blog, um, but it's very complicated, but you can definitely do it. Uh, I don't think you can, you know, it's, you can do almost anything. I'm not going to say you can do a hundred percent of the things because there's custom renderers aren't for everything. Right. But if you think about how Windows Forms is really a- appealing to the people who want that rapid application development, I think of it as like VB1 for, for phones, you know, and obviously I, I I think about custom renderers as like the OCX creators. You know, we were creating custom controls back in the day. And so not everybody wants to do that. So that naturally begs the question, where are all the custom controls for Xamarin Forms? And so I know that the vendors and stuff are working on that, but maybe you've got like a state of the state kind of uh, <laughs> uh, overview where you could tell us, you know, who's got what. Yeah, so actually, to be honest with you, there's quite a few out there already today. Um, when you go to the components store, mm-hmm. uh, components.xamarin.com, it's like a hand-curated list of, of controls. You'll see some from Sync Fusion and from uh, from Zoomiro on there uh, as well. And there's quite a few other ones. And a lot of these are like bar charts, grids, maps, you know, things like that. Right. Um, that you'll be able to access, like the Sync Fusion Essential Studios there that you can get. It has tons of controls that are on there. Uh, there's other controls that you'll find from uh, Component One and Telerik and other companies. They all seem to be like graphs and things like that, right? Yeah. There isn't any sort of, uh, you know, what I would consider to be things that like we do in WPF, you know, like really uh, composed controls that, that give you a unique experience. Do you see anything like that? Yeah. So what's interesting is, so it's a little bit tricky with custom renderers because you could package up a custom renderer and your own custom controls into a NuGet package and ship that. And then you're going to have to kind of update it along the way. Um, there are some out there when you, if you go to, if you go to NuGet.org and you type in plugin for Xamarin. Yeah. Uh, a plugin for Xamarin is like an abstraction over, um, common UI, not sometimes common UI, but common functionality, maybe contacts or geolocation, things like that, camera controls that you can access from cross platform code. But there also are some ones for Xamarin Forms as well, like my circle image controls on there. And there's a few other ones. So I think that the community is still building them and they're they're getting ready to add more out there. Mm-hmm. So it's really just a community effort. And I think that over time, you'll see more integrated into Xamarin Forms. But I believe that, you know, right now, just a lot of things exist on GitHub um, out there that are being shared in the community that are just like taken into the application. So it's kind of more of a sharing community. Uh, that I think that the team wants to integrate a little bit more with, but uh, it's something that I think will happen over time. And you think, like I do, that we're just getting started with these controls, that they're they're really going to go in a quite a, a broad direction? Or where where do you see the future going for the third-party market for for controls? Are we stuck with graphs? Or are we are we getting to, um, you know, to more sophisticated UI constructs? Well, it becomes a little bit tricky because each platform is so uniquely different yeah. at some point when you really get really, really custom. And then you, then it, it beckons the question, should this application really be a Xamarin Forms application? Yeah. 
Or should I take all my business logic, my models and my view models, and then bring it over to a, a normal traditional Xamarin native application and build out the UI on there? And, you know, every application is different. I don't have a yes or a no. Yeah. But when you get down to the bit where you're like, you know, I have to create a hundred custom renderers for this and that and this. Well, th- then the question is, should you really be, should this application be built with Xamarin Forms? Right. You know, with Xamarin Forms is great for prototyping, pulling in data, loading data, CRUD operations. Uh, and things like that, it's not going to solve every single application. It's not that silver bullet, you know, if you will. Yeah, sure. But I mean, if you take some of your favorite applications and you look at some of the controls that they have, those controls could be rebuilt, you know, with custom renderers, but by a by a third-party company, you know, that that would do the custom work for each platform and then make them sort of look alike, you know, on each uh, on each platform. Million dollar idea. Well, yeah. <laughs> seems like an obvious one to me. Yeah, I think so. I think that, and I think hopefully you'll see the community doing more of these. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things from the community out there, such as signature pads yep. and, and things like yep. that. So it's really just kind of bringing everyone together for these ideas. So I think you'll see it grow over time. I wouldn't see why not, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, just because the interest in Xamarin Forms is so high. Um, and it, it, it'll be based on, all right, you know, say, say, pull the refresh, for instance, like I, I have that on Android and iOS, and the implementation is a little bit different. So it'd be nearly impossible for me to bundle that up. But I have the examples out there, I blogged about yep. it, you know, so if you want to do it, it's out there, you just got to look for it right now today. But I think that you'll see more and more added, especially to the component store and to NuGet over time. Uh, and hopefully we'll see more than just bar charts and graphs, which are obviously essential. They are. These are great controls Absolutely. out there. Yeah. And imagine, I mean, accessing that from a shared code library is pretty mind-boggling to me as well. Like, I could see just a whole collection of slider controls, you know, just like gauge things to tweak, knobs to turn, sliders to move. Um, You know, that there's there's a whole lot of opportunity for that kind of stuff, rather than just your standard scroll bar, you know? I think so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, this is what it's going to take for the the average corporate developer to be building mobile apps the way they currently build desktop apps. Yeah, I totally agree, Richard. You know, that it's not going to be the shiniest version, but it, you know, it, it, desktop apps never be the shiniest version either. It's got to be reliable, practical, understandable, usable, and works on everything. Yeah, that's what people care about. That's why we have Xamarin Forms. Yeah, that's why it's there. <laughs> and and at least, and, you know, the nice thing about Xamarin Forms is it is really extendable, right? Yep. Like this this functionality exists. It's possible. Uh, and, you know, the team is obviously working to add more controls in as well. But I think that that's a great example of just cross-platform sliders and extending the current control and styling it up so pe- other people don't have to. It's, it's a great idea. And it may exist already. And if it does and somebody knows about it, please contact us or leave a comment on the website or the mobile app. But um yeah, that's the kind of those are the kind of things I'd love to see. I love it. I love it. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Just an ongoing evolution, without a doubt. So, James, looking beyond the phone, and now I'm thinking of guys like Chris Hardy with his Google Glass. We've got all these other devices coming in that Xamarin can run on. How do we test them? Yeah. So I think that's a great point. I mean, in general, when you think of IoT and you think of wearables out there, especially with the Apple Watch coming out soon and all the Wear Android Wear devices that yes. are out there. The nice thing is that these testing frameworks will actually extend to those to some fashion, uh, especially on Android Wear, because Android Wear is just an Android application. Right. Like that's all it is under the hood. Same with Google Glass. It's just an Android application. Now, these devices might not be in the actual test cloud currently today as we're actually adding more and more devices. 
uh, over time, but you can always run those tests locally. So of course your business logic needs to run and then you're going to have to craft, like I would actually have a, my normal application uh, test logic in there mm-hmm. and then another one for my wearables because the user interface is completely different, mm-hmm. you know, as it should be. You know, you shouldn't try to cram an entire app into the into the watch. That's no, not a good idea. It's going to be a different UI, or it's got to be a different approach to the <laughs> app without a question. And I feel for Glass because they're basically defunct now. You know, I I don't know they their Explorer program's over. I think Hololens had announcements had something to do with that. Ooh, that that thing now that thing seems pretty awesome. Yes, it does. We're pretty excited about that. Yeah, we're very yeah. excited. So about I think I, yeah, and I think that's the entire gamut. When you think of everything out there, sure, yeah, there's. 19,000 different, you know, Android devices out there today. And now there's all these new configurations for iOS. You really have to think about how am I testing all these applications, the wearables, the backend integration, the touch integration points, the speak integration points, third party libraries. And that's where you're able to build these, this entire test suite and ship it locally or up to the test cloud. And I think that's what's brilliant. So that's the future. You know, and we shouldn't ignore tablets of this whole equation too, because that's a bigger screen with a different style of UI as well. Do you find you've got to really make a separate UI implementation for tablets? So on tablets, it's a little bit interesting. On on Android, it's 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 really supported well with different layouts and screen configurations based on what it's running on. So you might have a, a separate test run application for just your phone versus tablets. So you might have two different test suites. And actually, to be honest, this is one of the big uses that I use for test cloud. How does my application look on a 10 inch Android tablet? Right. right. Because I know I don't have, I don't have one. Somebody does. Yeah. You know, uh, and then how does it look on an iPad? iPad mini? Is it squishing? Is it accurate back and forth? And, you know, obviously with the iPad mini, I think that that is a good uh, point in there. The seven inch screen, like the phone upscales and you can do some customization around it. And then what's interesting is a lot of the built in controls for iOS and even some for Android have special tablet support built in. So like a master detail page already has the detail page out. So you're going to have to incorporate that into your test suite as well. So, you know, I think that good practice, you know, if there's all, if you have all the time in the world, you can handcraft a great experience on every sort of device, but, you know, focus and extend and ramp up over time. So, you know, having it on just the phone is good, but people are going to want it on tablets. So think about what can you use that's already in the framework today to extend in a tablet. And, and those, those, the tablets exist in the test cloud as well. So it's not just phones, it's tablets as well. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting battle. And I would argue Xamarin Forms is more applicable in the tablet space as sort of an enterprise app or an internal app than it is even on the phone. Although I don't know if the stats would actually bear that out as true. Yeah, I'd have to look into, we've introduced a lot of new features in Xamarin Forms specifically for like different idioms. Am I, am I on a phone? Am I on a tablet? What's my screen resolution? What's my size? We added styles, behaviors, triggers to it to do all this different functionality in the actual XAML as well. And so you could actually load different different pages based on if your phone or on your tablet, right. which is very interesting. And, you know, to be honest, you should think about that. To be honest, most of the time with applications, it's all about layout. Um, when I was building the Xamarin Evolve application, I really took a lot of time to to go in and say, OK, on this device, then make this a little bit spaced out over mm-hmm. here, over here. We have that built into the XAML. You can say on platform and do something different on Android versus iOS versus Windows Phone. And the same thing in the code behind you say device dot on. So when you're building, Richard, when you're asking, like, should I build a different UI? A lot of times you don't have to. You just think about the actual layout. How am I laying this out in a grid or a stack layout? You know, if you take some because the default controls are just that default controls. Right. 
I, I've never found, you know, file new project to be the most beautiful application in the entire yeah. world. Cause you got to take time. You have to understand how the layout systems are working. You style it. So when you, you got to style it, you got to style it. You got to, you know, put some time and effort into proper spacing, um, on each platform because the spacing protocol, even, you know, on Android is a four dip, uh, dip is a pixel density type uh, equation. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of factor that in, like, cause you want your application to actually look and you can achieve that with uh, Xamarin Forms and, of course, obviously Xamarin, the native traditional approach because you're building the UI separately. Yeah. So, yeah, you take a lot of time and put effort into that. And then that is that is what will be interesting then when you put it into the test cloud and see it. Is it actually scaling on tablet versus phone correctly? And are my all my touch points there correctly? I mean, even on iPhone, people design for, now they're designing only for the 6, the 6-inch screen. But what happens when you go to 6 Plus or 4 or 5S and people always forget about the four, that tiny little screen yeah. that we all thought was amazing. You know, everyone forgets about it and then you can't access half the buttons, you know. Right. So I think that that's that those are the use cases that you need to tackle. I mean, I was just on the I was on a flight uh, coming back from San Francisco and next to me was someone using like iOS six still, you know, typing on this iPhone 3GS. I'm like wow. these devices exist. It, they exist. They're out there. You know, not everyone's updating every year or two years out, out there. So you got to put some thought into that if you want to reach all of customers. You know, and that's a, a business decision. Yeah, you still get that whole issue of is it worth supporting that 3GS for the amount of pain you're going to go through? It's true. That's it's a little true. form factor. Is there 3GSs in the test cloud? Yeah. So on the test cloud. Uh, we have, when you go to xamarin.com slash test cloud, yep. uh, you'll, there's actually a list that you can say all devices. I believe we have everything. And I just actually saw some, some three GSs being shipped over there. <laughs> we were looking at it. We're trying to figure out what, what, what version of iOS is this, you know, and what's running on this. But there's some even really, really old Android tiny device. They have the smallest, like 320 by 240 oh, screen man. you can imagine. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and, th- you know, in, in, yeah, does the device have a keyboard or, or not too? Like you got to consider that because there's all these different flavors of devices and right. those are all in the test cloud. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and especially when you're talking about a, a corporate app too, where keyboards might be more prevalent or a huge advantage, like actually doing that well is really tough. Hey, James, is there anything that you can tell us publicly about uh, any coziness that's happening between Xamarin and Microsoft lately? I mean, so we have a great partnership with Microsoft. We were part of the Visual Studio 2015 uh, launch. You know, Miguel and Nat were on stage, Chocolate Soma yep. and, and Scott Hanselman on stage. And uh, it's really awesome. We we have Visual Studio 2015 support today. When you install 2015 uh, and you say file new project, you'll see some iOS and Android templates to prompt you to download Xamarin, which are really cool. And the CTP5, I think we're up to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's really awesome. We work with the Xamarin uh uh, simulator or emulator that Microsoft ships. Uh, we also have our own Xamarin Android player, which works on Mac and PC as well. Um, we're obviously working with them on the test cloud as, uh, as well with Windows Phone support. Um, and All's hunky-dory? Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Great. It's a great partnership working with the teams and .NET and the open source. Obviously, Miguel is part of the .NET Foundation right. and working on open sourcing of .NET and the entire collaboration there. Uh, and you know that it's great because .NET is .NET and Mono is Mono, mm-hmm. the open source implement original. I say original open source implementation of .NET. So, Are you yeah. guys playing in the IoT space on Android? You know, on on little devices or anything like that, or is it all 
ARM devices that are Linux-based or Windows-based? Well, so, so IoT is really interesting. Uh, so the Internet of Things that's out there today, it's like, how do you define it, right? Is a wearable an IoT device or is it all these our Netduino and Raspberry Pi devices out mm. there? And uh, we actually have a really great framework. It's called monkey.robotics. Huh. Uh, that uh, it's, it's free. It, it actually is an interface. It's kind of a it, it's for phones and also for the microcontrollers as well. So it allows you to actually write your .NET and C Sharp code. It's an abstraction layer over Arduinos and Netduinos uh, to actually run your code that can actually link up and, and be controlled from an iOS or Android device. So it's monkey.robotics. It's very cool. At Evolve, we actually had a mini hack where attendees could build a robot and then they had the app. They built the app that would control it and then they could take the robot home. Wow. So, but imagine now taking that and then connecting it up to like some Azure service or SignalR and then pushing and doing all this all from .NET 100%. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, imagine the, the possibilities are really kind of amazing. Yeah, I'll say. That you could do this for IoT. So, you know, we're really trying to think of what's next in the space, obviously with wearables, but also of all of these new tiny little form factors out there. And the great thing is that, you know, on Android, at least, if if it runs Android, you can write an Android z- application with Xamarin and C Sharp. Right. So car, TV, um, you know, where, and then wherever else you can run Android, you can, you know, put it on there. Is there anything still screwy about uh, the Kindle when it comes to Android development? So the Amazon devices are very interesting. Yeah, uh, the Amazon, they're interesting. Yeah. So you have, you have obviously like the fire TV and you have the Kindle devices. Mm. And the biggest thing when you are an Android developer, I'm, you know, I'm an Android fanboy. It's my favorite platform. It's crazy. Um, and Andro- Amazon devices don't have Google play services at all on them because it's a custom flavor. I think it's on KitKat now, at least. Uh, but it's a custom flavor. They basically forked Android and they keep updating and they put their custom UI on it. So that means if you're using services for Google, like Google Plus or Google Maps, you know, you have to shift to Amazon services. Yeah. So shifting to Amazon Maps and Amazon, you know, credits and the Amazon App Store and submit to their App Store. Um, but in general, your app, if you're not using these, will just work. So if you're not using Maps, it'll work fine. It'll work fine. And they actually have like a bridge. They have a, a bridge that can bridge the Google Maps and the Amazon Maps as well. And we have uh, libraries for doing all that and, and, and integrating with the Amazon OS. So it's a little bit more work. But if you want to reach all those devices, which there's a lot of Kindle devices out there, yeah. um, you know, you take a little bit more time and, and invest in that. We also have Kindle devices in the, the cloud as well. Do you have any insight into who's running Kindles? Because in my world, it tends to be the the younger kids that have the Kindles and the Kindle Fires as their sort of starter tablets, mostly because of their price, but also, you know, they're controllable and they, you know, they link to an Amazon account. They do. I mean, I think in my family alone, I think every, like I have a, a brother and there's uh, and two sisters and my parents, they all have mm-hmm. them, I think. Some are Kindles, most are Kindle Fires, right. all the kids. So I have two uh, two nieces and a, uh, two nephews and a niece. And yeah, they each got the new like Kindle, like kids edition or whatever, which is very locked down. So I think to be honest, it's really a broad range of markets because Amazon is obviously everywhere. You know, you can't get away from Amazon. I go into a, you know, into a Best Buy or to a Target. I was like, "Mm, can I buy this on Amazon? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I pull it up and sometimes I'll buy, I'll buy what I'm looking at on my phone, 
you know, up and I'm like, I'll just get this here tomorrow for an extra $2 and it's still cheaper. So you can't really get away from Amazon, which, you know, it's really transformed shopping as we know it. And obviously transformative when it comes to mobile apps. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a very wide range of, of targets. The just Amazon like, phone itself, does that fall into the same category as the Kindle in terms of uh, Xamarin weirdness? Yeah, for any Android developer, really, yeah. right? Um, same exact thing. I don't know what the Fire Phone's doing. I think the Fire TV and the Fire Stick are really interesting because you can obviously make games on it as well. And we have we have um, Coco Sharp, which is an open implementation of Coco's 2D. Yeah. It's open source and it runs everywhere. iOS, Android, Windows Phone, Windows Desktop, anywhere. And you can put that actually on a Fire Stick and control it from the controller from your phone. It's like really cool. And of course, there's intricacies there. So you kind of got to think like, oh, am I going to put this on a TV or am I going to put this on a phone or... And, and take advantage of it. The thing with the Fire Phone, it was supposed to have all these cameras and be really cool, and there was an SDK for mm-hmm. it. Uh, so I'm not really sure the state of, of that. But I know that definitely Amazon Fire tablets are, you know, are selling yeah. like hotcakes, you know. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Is there anything else that you want to drop on us before we wrap it up? Well, I mean, honestly, I mean, congratulations again. I already congratulated <laughs> you guys on a thousand, but congratulations on a thousand one hundred. Hopefully, next time it'll be two thousand something. But uh, yeah, I mean, in general, you know, I, I kind of tell the story of mobile testing from my own personal experience. I lived it, which is trying to ship applications into the marketplace without knowing what's out there. We have more data now. We have the tools. That's the thing is, as mobile development progresses, so do the tools that we have available to you, such as using UI tests and the Xamarin Test Cloud. Um, so I think that more than anything, by winning and creating and crafting great applications and testing is going to help you and your application in the store. I mean, it helps me. So this is all very personal to me because I lived it and still living it today. Awesome. James, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's, it's an honor and a privilege on this side of the microphone. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter van.